0: This is Africa Digest.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Africa Digest. This is Channel Africa, giving you news from an African perspective. We're broadcasting to you from our studios in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we're available on www.channelafrica.co.za. My name is Samora Mangesi in studio with Zwelani Toulot. As well as uh, Tracy Bloomgard and Netwitch Money. Some top stories on Africa Digest at this hour. South Africa assures its citizens that reports of an Ebola outbreak are not true. Malawi and neighboring Mozambique held a summit where they outlawed child labor in tobacco farming. And Tanzania's authority has released a report that shows that elephant numbers have stabilized. In your business news, new installations of electrical water geezers banned in Zimbabwe. We'll also be having your latest sporting news a little bit later on in the hour. But right now, let's cross on over to the news desk where Jualani Tula is standing by to let us know what is happening in the latest news bulletin.
2: SABC News, independent and impartial. From an
3: African perspective. Thank you, Samora. Good afternoon. Cooperative Governance MEC in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province, Sipo Lomoka, says evacuations are being planned for flood-prone areas in the province and has urged community members to comply with instructions from emergency services. A thunderstorm is due to hit the province, which is expected to be worse than the Easter floods that resulted in the deaths of dozens of people. Speaking during a media briefing in Durban, Tlomoka says schools are to remain closed until Friday. He has urged people to be vigilant in flood-prone areas.
2: Well advising our communities to not um, uh, go outside and all over. They must try by all means to minimize their movement. Warning and evacuation are being <coughs> planned in flood line areas, and we urge everyone to cooperate with the instruction from the emergency services. While leaving nothing to chance as these weather conditions have the potential to cause significant damage to public and private-owned properties, while taking all All of these unprecedented steps in the interest of the safety of our communities, and safety is a primary concern for us.
3: Housing police are monitoring the situation in, uh, in the situation in Brooklyn in the capital Pretoria after a group of about 300 foreign nationals invaded the United Nations High Commission for Refugees precinct. The foreign nationals' move follows a court order by the court in the High Court order in Pretoria to vacate the street near the UN ACR offices. They are now erecting tents and plastic shacks in the parking lot of the UN offices. Housing police. Spokesperson Matabelo-Peters says no arrests have been reported. However, police are on high alert. South Africa's government has confirmed that there are no Ebola cases in the country or neighboring countries this after reports emerged of a confirmed Ebola case in Lesotho however Lesotho responded by saying the report was a result of a simulation exercise to test the country's readiness in a case of an outbreak in terms of risk communication coordination, surveillance, case management and response times it was reported that the person who had been confirmed had told Lesotho authorities that she had contact with a man exhibiting Ebola symptoms in Johannesburg in South Africa. This caused panic among some social media users. Deputy Director at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases in South Africa, Lucille Bloomberg, says there is no need to panic. Police in Britain have arrested 17 people in a series of dawn raids in London targeting a suspected criminal gang believed to be trafficking women from Romania for sex. A further person has been arrested in Romania during simultaneous raids there. 29 women believed to be victims have been found during the London raids are being assisted by police. Officers say cash, drugs and stun grenades were also recovered. And finally, the Israeli army says more rockets have been fired from Gaza in southern Israel hours after a ceasefire came into force and with Palestinian militants. The truce was agreed after two days of clashes following the Israeli killing of a commander from the Islamic Jihad group. More than 30 Palestinians have been killed. I'll be back with headlines at 5.30. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
2: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
4: When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile.
5: Hello Africa, this is 1000 African Voices and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise Africa, rise. Channel Africa, from an African
1: perspective. Reports that a woman who displayed symptoms associated with the Ebola virus crossed back into Lesotho through the Fixburg border post in South Africa's Free State province were nothing but a simulation exercise. A South African media agency had reported that Lesotho health officials had confirmed its first case of Ebola. However, a statement by the International Health Regulations in... Uh, the Mountain Kingdom, revealed that there had been an Ebola virus disease exercise simulation yesterday between the two countries' borders. Professor Lucille Bloomberg is the Deputy Director for National Institute of Communicable Diseases in South Africa.
6: I think countries are are already required to conduct these simulation exercises to test their emergency preparedness and response systems. And that's exactly what happened in Lesotho. There are no cases of Ebola in South Africa, Lesotho, or anywhere in uh, the surrounding country.
0: Now, do you think that this form of exercise may cause some hysteria among the public who may not be entirely clued up on what the exercise is all about?
6: So I think it can, especially if uh, Mm. incorrect news and rumours spread. So one has to manage communications very carefully. And uh, that's you know, that the information goes out that mm.
7: this
6: is uh, not a case and that information reaches everybody. Mm. I
0: think
6: that is often a problem. But there no. are no cases. Sure.
0: And apart from there being a confirmation that there aren't any cases in the two countries, were they able to um, establish the state of preparedness, you know, to detect and manage cases of Ebola should they arise?
6: I am sure the Ministry of Health of the SISU and related ministries will release a statement on uh, how the exercise uh, progressed and Mm. uh, the successes and any of the deficiencies. It is the best way of testing Mm. preparedness, to Mm. have a real-life simulation exercise.
0: Let's talk a bit about uh, the risk factors, you know, in terms of uh, the disease coming to this part of the continent. How real is that risk um, at this time, Lucille?
6: So there's been a risk assessment of countries in Africa, countries um, that border on the DRC have been considered at high risk and lots have been put in place uh, Mm. in terms of preparedness and we know that when plastic cases went into Uganda there was an immediate response contained and no further problems. So I think you know there's been a lot of successes there. Otherwise there's been no cases outside of the DRC. So it has been contained and South Africa, Lesotho and our surrounding countries would be considered no risk
0: now for the benefit of our listeners just a reminder of the symptoms of ebola and of course for those people who have traveled to those the high risk areas in terms of just advice on them of uh, what to do when they find themselves in those areas
6: i think i need to consider that the uh, the major infectious risk is malaria and people mm-hmm. need to take precautions mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to prevent mosquito bites Sometimes additional drugs would be used to prevent malaria. Malaria remains the most important cause of fever in travellers. Ebola is really quite hard to transmit. It doesn't transmit through the air. You need to have direct contact with someone who is ill with Ebola with mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. blood and body fluids. Mm. So, you know, that would be a family member caring for someone in a home setting, healthcare workers caring for people with appropriate personal protection, it doesn't just spread to, to casual contact, being in the same room or being in the same area. It's, it's really quite hard to contract Ebola. So you must understand somebody needs to have been in that situation to contract it. Sure. Um, you know, the symptoms are really common to many other diseases. So one needs to be careful about, uh, you know, symptoms unless you've had contact. It could be fever, severe diarrhea, extreme tiredness, plus, Contact with a known or suspected case of Ebola. Mm-hmm. And that plus is very important.
1: And that was Professor Lucille Bloomberg, Deputy Director for National Institute of Communicable Diseases in South Africa, talking to miso South Africa has joined the rest of the globe as it marks World Diabetes to, uh, Day today. According to the latest reports on mortality and causes of death by Statistics South Africa, diabetes is the second deadliest disease in South Africa. The multinational pharmaceutical company in South Africa, Sanofi, is using the day to raise awareness around the disease through its Diabetes Your Type campaign. More from Dr. Pubalan Naidu, a medical advisor at Sanofi.
8: Sanofi is a global pharmaceutical company. We're based in yeah more than 100 countries, and South Africa is another country that we're based in. And uh, what we do, Elizabeth, is to provide healthcare solutions to empower the lives of patients uh, to improve the health care of patients as well you know so it's not just medicines but also vaccines as well that we've invested in to improve uh, the quality of life of patients
3: now, you're focusing on your campaign hashtag Diabetes Your Type. Why is this? And what kind of activities have you planned in order to raise awareness around diabetes?
8: Diabetes is the second biggest killer of South Africa. And it's the first biggest killer of women living in South Africa. So it's a huge problem for the country. It's causing significant deaths or mortality, but also disability as well. And... By creating awareness around diabetes, our hope at Sanofi is that we can diagnose patients earlier, treat them appropriately, and improve the outcomes of patients that have diabetes. So this is why we're actually trying to, you know, get this campaign out there to build awareness around diabetes so we can reduce deaths and we can reduce disability associated with diabetes. In terms of the activities that we plan, There's a written uh, component Mm -hmm. where we go to the different uh, publications and we write pieces around diabetes to improve awareness. In addition, we're doing screenings. So we're doing screenings for diabetes and other non-communicable diseases like blood pressure and cholesterol in Kauteng. So we've done one in Lemnesia already. And then the plan is to do another one in Midrand at the Calvary Methodist Church on the 24th of November from 8.30 to You know, in addition to the screenings, we also have a sort of a media campaign where we're trying to get key messages around diabetes out there. Uh, Because, you know, if people are aware and they're educated around diabetes, they're more likely to manage the condition appropriately.
3: But what exactly is diabetes, doctor? And also touch on the different types of diabetes and what causes them.
8: So, Elizabeth, there's lots of different uh, types of diabetes, but let me actually start with what diabetes is, right? So in a very
9: simplistic
8: way, it's when the sugar in your blood goes very high. For the sugar to have a normal level, you need a hormone or chemical called insulin, right? So insulin serves as a bit of a key to get glucose from the blood into the little tiny parts of your, your body called the cell. So if your insulin is not present, so there's just no insulin, you've got no key. You've got no key, then you don't get glucose into your cell. So the blood glucose levels tend to go high in these patients. Another component is that you could have insulin or the key, right, but it's not working well. And again, the glucose from your blood cannot get into the cell, and this will result in your blood sugar level going high. And the thing is you're probably asking is, okay, so what, you know, if your blood sugar level goes high? that When your blood sugar goes high, you can get complications. You can get complications immediately or long term. Right. So the immediate complications is you could go into a coma. and the long-term complications, there's many complications from strokes, heart attacks, disease of the vessels in your leg, uh, kidney failure. There's many types of diabetes. But let's keep it simple. Let's look at what's common, right? So there's two common types of diabetes. they call type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. Now, in type 1 diabetes, your body doesn't actually make insulin so you've got no insulin and to survive we need to give those patients insulin uh, via an injection most of the time right because if they don't have it then they will complicate acutely, and they will demise uh, pretty rapidly as well in terms of type 2 so more or less you've got insulin it's not as effective so it's like you've got the key but the key is not really working right and we say that these patients have insulin resistance so the tissues are not actually responding appropriately to the insulin that's present. Why does this happen? Of course, a genetic component. So you, you know, there's a family history with these patients. But in addition, there's lifestyle issues. So if you're sedentary, you're not really exercising, and if you're eating highly refined foods, like the junk food freely available, then you have at risk of diabetes. Then your body becomes insulin resistant, you can get diabetes. In these patients, lots of them are able to use tablets to keep them going and keep them well. And with time, some of them may need insulin as well.
3: Is it possible to prevent oneself from becoming diabetic?
8: What can you do to uh, prevent type 2 diabetes? Now, you can't change your genetics. (laughs) uh, You can't change your family history as well. But what you can do is exercise. So if you exercise for 30 minutes, about 5 Six times a week, uh, to the extent where you, you know, you, you are getting yourself, you're increasing your heart rate, moderate exercise, that can help certainly. Uh, in addition, if you have a balanced uh, diet, right? So I'm not saying don't eat your chocolate for your dessert, but again, balanced diet. There has to be a balance between uh, protein, carbohydrates, fats, fruits and vegetables, etc. Then uh, that in itself will reduce the risk of you uh, getting diabetes.
3: Are there new technologies that Sanofi is developing in order to manage chronic illnesses?
8: Uh, Yes, certainly. So Sanofi is an innovative company. So the core of what we do is to innovate, to discover new therapies and better solutions for managing various medical conditions. So at the moment, uh, in our pipeline, we've got a fixed ratio combination where we've actually tried to make the lives of patients simpler by putting two drugs into one injection. Uh, so that's our uh, innovative therapy. Uh, in addition, we developed
1: an injection that you can actually use once weekly as well for diabetes. And that's Dr. Pubalin Naidu, a medical advisor at Sanofi in South Africa, speaking to Elizabeth Lidika.
4: When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling. But at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile.
5: Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices and I'm your host, Abu Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa. Rise. Channel Africa from an African
2: perspective. Across the
10: globe, every second there's always a breaking story.
3: Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa
11: in Zambia.
10: Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time.
11: George Muhango Channel Africa Blantyre
2: reporting for Channel Africa. This is Moki Kinzeka in Yaounde
12: from an African perspective. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing
10: the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. <laughs>
1: Tanzania's authority has released the report that showing that showing that elephant elephant numbers have stabilised after the government had lost a catastrophic sixty percent of its elephants in the last five years due to poaching. The results from the Ministry of Tourism and Natural Resources of Tanzania confirm that the landscape is the most important in Eastern Cape, uh, in Eastern Africa rather, in terms of elephant numbers and contains the largest population on the continent outside of Zambia and Botswana. Our correspondent from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Gabriel Zakaria, has more.
12: Tanzania's elephant population is one of the continent's largest, but data released in the last five years by the Tanzanian government showed that between 2009 and 2014, the number dropped from 109,051 to 43,330 when an annual birth rate of 5% is taken into account The number of dead is 85, 181. The current result from Tanzanian Wildlife Research Institute, Tawiri, shows that an estimated of 20,145 elephants were recorded during the 20-day survey, which consisted of 380 aerial transects over 20 days. The survey covered 77,326 square kilometers of the Katavirukwa and Ruaha Rungwa landscape and included parks, game reserves and other protected and conservation areas. The Minister of Tourism and Natural Resources, Dr. Hamisiki Gwangala, explains. Uh,
2: in the year 2000, uh, 2015, we've witnessed uh, a significant increase uh, in the number of elephants and other species uh, because of the face the decline in poaching that was rampant in the past years. And the decline in poaching has resulted from our uh, efforts government to put in place measures and uh, strategies to combat uh, poaching within the protected areas and outside the boundaries of the po- protected areas. And these strategies include the inception of, uh, of a service, that is the Wildlife and Forest Service, That has uh, been uh, a major effort by the Fifth Phase Government. Uh, that, that is, we've transformed ourselves from a citizenry uh, ministry into an, another system that is uh, paramilitary. This transformation to paramilitary has resulted into most of our workers, especially the experts as well as the, the rangers, uh, to work very diligently to become more patriotic and uh, to have uh, that uh, discipline that is becoming of a force. And for that matter, We've seen proper mechanisms are in place at the moment with regards to how we send our commands amongst our foes.
12: Far fewer elephant carcasses were found compared to 2015 when the last survey took place, indicating that poaching is now being brought under control, though a few were still detected in some areas. In addition to elephants, The survey confirmed the status of 29 other key large mammal species. The most abundant species included 44,110 buffalo, 14,530 impala, 11,722 zebra, 11,733 eland, 5,145 giraffe, and 7,573 Sabu. The Minister of Tourism and Natural Resources, Dr. Kigwangala, explains once more:
2: With having the range, uh, the range land protected and uh, well preserved, we've managed to rejuvenate also the number of species that reproduce in, the, in these areas. That's one one of the that one of the success stories that comes with the fifth government. And you've seen also we've managed to upgrade some of the uh, protected areas uh, uh, amongst our network into national parks. We've seen more than five areas have been uh, upgraded into national park status from game reserve. Also, we have uh, opened up uh, corridors, as you can see, in many places. Uh, so, And since the corridors are inter, this now results having... Uh, Species moving between one protected area to the next and therefore the gene pool also uh, has improved and that means more life, more birth.
12: Following the results of the survey, the government of Tanzania assures the world that the poaching acts will remain history in the largest African country. From
2: the past two years, we haven't uh, witnessed even a single case of elephant being poached, even a single elephant. So uh, over a period of two years, I can confidently say as a minister that we've combated poaching. uh, And our goal, actually, is to diminish poaching to zero by the year 2022. So perhaps I can say very confidently that we are closing to that. And actually, we are reaching that success even before the due time.
12: The new survey results is expected to pile pressure on a government that has been heavily criticized for the last five years for its inability to stop a flood of poached ivory being stripped from its national parks to continue the battle against poaching. Reporting for Channel Africa in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, this is Gabriel Zakaria.
1: Humanitarian group Oxfam has urged ministers attending the 17th regular session of the African Ministerial Conference on the Environment to demand that industrial nations honour their promises of cutting carbon emissions to avoid escalating human and financial costs of climate change. The conference, currently taking place in Durban, South Africa, aims to provide advocacy for the environmental protection in Africa and ensure that basic human needs are met adequately. It is held under the theme, Taking Action for Environmental Sustainability and Prosperity in Africa. To discuss this further, we're joined on the line by Joyce Msuya, the Deputy Director of the United Nations Environmental Programme. Uh, Joyce, thank you very much for joining us. Thank
9: you for having me on your programme.
1: Now, Joyce, could you take us through the main aim of the conference and some of the key highlights thus far?
9: Okay. So, the uh, the conference, uh, which is known as the African Ministerial Conference uh, of Ministers of Environment, uh, is actually the highest regional authority when it comes to setting out environmental policies, priorities, and actions. This Uh, years, the current uh, conference is focusing on four themes that are relevant for Africa. One is climate change. Uh, Second is circular economy. Third is biodiversity or nature. And fourth is blue or ocean economy. Uh, We are on our first day of the conference, but there is quite a lot of excitement uh, around actions, that Africa has put together resolutions and policies, and time is running out for sustainable development goals in 2030, and we need to speed up our action. But also the multi-stakeholder spirit, uh, young people are presented, the civil society, private sector, gender, indigenous communities, so the sense of collective action, it takes everybody uh, to actually make a difference uh, is quite present here.
1: All right, and the Global Environment Outlook for Youth publication has also launched at the conference. How significant is this outlook in terms of guiding the uh, strategic development of youth responsive actions for s- sustainable development?
9: Uh, it's a good question. The Global Environment Outlook for Youth uh, was launched, uh, the report was launched today. It's significant in three ways. One is, if you look at Africa today, there are more young people in Africa than any other region on Earth. But one in three of them are without jobs. This particular report is actually giving ideas and uh, solutions on how the green economy can actually be used to tackle Africa's Youth employment through the green economy. That's one. We were mandated, meaning we were requested by African governments to develop uh, the report for youth in Africa. Uh, and lastly, we wanted to highlight stories uh, of African Africans that are actually investing or have invested in natural resources to develop entrepreneurship. To improve the, their knowledge but also make uh, the livelihoods of their communities better.
1: Now, the conference concludes tomorrow. What is the process going forward in terms of the outcomes of the conference and uh, how exactly are they going to be implemented?
9: Uh, so, the conference focus uh, is really on action. What we hope the session of the African Ministerial Conference on the Environment will do is one is to and mobilize actions that lead to a greater accounting of progress made so far when it comes to uh, addressing environmental challenges. But also there is quite a lot of exchanging of ideas and lessons of what has worked in one country uh, and how uh, some of the ideas may be able to be implemented uh, in other countries. We also hope to emphasize on the need for the cross-sectoral Uh, approach to addressing uh, environmental issues. So overall, it's the action. As time is running out, our citizens are becoming impatient, and we have a lot to do between now and 2030, the end of Sustainable Development Goals, or 2063, which is the Africa Union uh, Priority Agenda Timeline.
1: And lastly, Joyce, uh, how has the conference dealt with the issue of industrial nations that are not honoring their climate pledges uh, of cutting down carbon emissions?
9: You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, the way I want to look at it is most of the climate change issues do not have geographical boundaries and they do not require passports to cross from one part of the world to another. And what is a more important question is what Africa is actually doing to address climate changes, if you look back, Africa will be and, in fact, is already being hit the hardest by climate change, and it is the poorest that tend to suffer. But also, for the most part, did not create the climate crisis. Uh, so it can lead me in solving it, uh, learning from others, but also building on the dynamism that we are seeing here around uh, driven by African governments.
1: All right, Joyce, thank you very much for joining us.
9: Thank you very much.
1: And that was Joyce Msuya, Deputy Director of the United Nations Environment Programme. Very big thank you to her for joining us yet again. The time is now 17.32 Central African time. Let's cross on over to the news desk for a quick update with regards to the headlines. Here is Shwalani Tulo.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial from an African from a perspective.
3: perspective. Thank you, Samora. Making headlines, Cooperative Governance MEC in South Africa's Kozulu-Natal province, Sipotlomuka, says evacuations are being planned for flood-prone areas in the province and has urged community members to comply with instructions from emergency services. Gauteng police are monitoring the situation in Brooklyn in, the cap- in South Africa's capital, Pretoria, after a group of about 300 foreign nationals invaded the UN High Commission for Refugees Precinct and finally police in Britain have arrested 17 people in a Series of dawn raids in London targeting a suspected criminal gang believed to be trafficking women from Romania for sex. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
2: SABC News, independent and impartial. From an
13: African
7: perspective. perspective.
1: Planting moringa trees and selling their products could be one of the solutions to growing the country's economy. This is the outcome of a three-day conference had in South Africa's capital Pretoria under the theme The Power of Moringa in Solving uh, Global Challenges. Discussions at the conference included topics such as power of moringa in nutrition, pharmaceuticals, fuel and energy. Maluti Obuseng reports. Delegates from 25 countries converged in Pretoria to
14: discuss different topics on how can Moringa be a beneficial contribution to the growth of the economy. Moringa's benefits include business for those in farming and employment in the processing industry. This is the second conference where such issues are discussed. Isia Hortensia from Indonesia says she had learned a lot about the importance of Moringa trees. Hortensia says, in Indonesia, Moringa was just a tree, like all other trees, until they discovered that it is useful.
3: Well, actually, we've learned, I've learned so much, since we also have a Moringa project in Indonesia, particularly in East Nusa Tenggara province in Indonesia. Uh, Moringa trees is a common plant in East Nusa Tenggara, Indonesia. But for a thousand years, they don't make it as a valuable things. So in here in South Africa, from the conference, I can learn from all over the world that it can be something.
14: Mabuamato, a Moringa farmer and owner of Lefakon Farming in Bos Plus in the Moritile local municipality northwest, says her farm deals with a whole range of Moringa production.
0: Now, when I say Moringa production... We do from farm to fork or farm to table. So we do the whole value chain. We grow the seeds. We do the maintenance. We do the transplanting. We maintain again. When the trees have grown to a certain level, we harvest. We pick, we dry, and then they bring the dried product for agro-processing. Now, agro-processing means we take the raw material, manufacture it into something else. Now, at Le Fakon, currently the focus is on tea, powder, capsules, and we do some health salts. We've just finished formulating a gin, which is will be available probably in the next three, four weeks.
14: There are useful lessons that can be adopted from other countries. Ernest Nyambe is from Zambia. He's also a president of Moringa Association in his country. Nyambe explains.
5: Moringa in Zambia is now I would say the green gold or the green the green copper in that uh, it's a very fast growing uh, sector uh, which is uh, being given attention. I think uh, we are getting a lot of support from the government and we also want to appreciate the fact that uh, we are not complicating things. We have started with the fact that moringa is a super food with high nutritional benefits for all ages. I think that is the big step that we are
14: starting with. Meanwhile, Moringa Development Association of South Africa, MODASA, has plans to expand, formalize, and grow Moringa business. Rene Munya of MODASA explains. As MODASA, we've developed what we call the Vision 2030. The Vision 2030 consists of having about 12 training centers where Moringa can grow, which means Kezeden, Pumalanga, Limpopo, the northern part of northwest, which is basically the Brits, Rastemberg, Ziras, Mahikeng area. And uh, we intend to have the 12, 14 training centers in the next 11 years to train about 200 entrepreneurs. Agricultural Research Center, ARC, exhibit Moringa products a conference convener from Agricultural Research Center, Eswell and Lala says South Africa has learned new methods. We have now learned what other people, are, how they are growing it and how they are processing it, which is a bit different from what we are doing. So there is that chance that we can also adopt some of what they are doing into our own uh, planting and, and processing. Yes, I think one of the things that I, I learned is uh, what we call high-density planting. We have never practiced it here in South Africa. Um, that is where you grow the plants very close to each other, like vegetables, and then you, you just harvest them whilst they are still tender and young. The next Moringa Conference will be held in Brazil, South America in 2021. I'm Maluti Ubuseng, SABC News, Boss Plus in Northwest.
13: Change Your Game is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially youth on the African continent.
1: Last year, Google named me as one of the brightest young minds in the world. The program seeks to portray
12: various opportunities and options that are available for entrepreneurs. I came up with the way for the world not to bother. It focuses and highlights real issues concerning entrepreneurship. There are so many people whose potential is still untapped.
13: At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. Channel Africa, the African News.
1: Malawi and neighboring Mozambique, Tanzania and Zambia on Wednesday held a summit under the Agriculture Transformation Initiative, ATI, to discuss reduction in demand for tobacco and forced child labor in the industry. The summit, which ends Friday in the administrative capital, Lulongwe, also looked at ways of helping smallholder tobacco farmers transition from alternative livelihoods. George Mahango filed the following report with a clear focus at the major debate that ensued from a human perspective.
11: In Malawi, like neighboring Zambia, Mozambique, and Tanzania, the rainy season is here to take farmers to their fields. Reason why Maria Kandoje, mother of four, has started preparing tobacco nurseries and farms as downpour looks promising. She has three acres of land from where she grows tobacco, maize, and beans with her children for their annual food and financial upkeep. Kandoji, 45, a Form 2 secondary school dropout, lives in Zomba. Malawi, which is home to more tobacco farmers. With news that the United States has banned tobacco and its products on grounds that the crop is produced using forced child labor, just sees her future likewise, those of commercial farmers look bleak.
3: As you can see, I'm ordering tobacco non I'm a tobacco peasant farmer and not a commercial one. If my children help me to order tobacco non or black balif until I sell it, it is just their regard for parenthood. But I should admit that in big estates, child labor exists and you cannot control it because there is no policy that bans child labor in Malawi at the moment. Even the tobacco tenancy bill is still being drafted in parliament. So government has a huge task to do with child labor, not only in tobacco, but other industries such as tea and sugar as well.
11: Children of less than 16 years are employed to work in tobacco or tea estates in Malawi. Most of them have dropped out of school. While the Tobacco Control Commission TCC is supposed to deter tobacco estate owners from employing children, there is no law in Malawi prohibiting the practice. Employers' Conservative Association of Malawi ECAMA, Tobacco Control Commission and International Labour Organization recently developed a tenancy labour bill for approval so as to end child labour. But as Charles Manyetela, a labour expert in Malawi, says, it is yet to see the light of day.
2: The Tenancy Labor Bill was drafted some time back, but again you have to look at the nature of the Tenancy. It's coming back from the Tangata system. And our neighboring countries like Zambia, Zimbabwe, there's no Tenancy. And again, when we look at the Tenancy, it provides a loophole where children might be trafficked, let's say from one area to another, uh, to work. The understanding is you cannot regret something which gives a loophole for violation of human rights that's why the international labor organization did a survey on the state of the tenancy and made some recommendations and the recommendations were presented to the minister of youth sports labor and manpower power development
11: currently major buyers of malawi's tobacco on the local auction floors are from britain china japan among other european and asian countries a University of Malawi business scholar, Mese Piri, has since cast doubt whether Malawi's economic woes would be solved soon if it insists on promoting tobacco.
0: Ah, uh, Let me be open with you. It's high time here in Malawi. The government has to promote other crops
9: that can bring in the much needed forex. Tobacco, you know, is no longer a moja forex center, as we used to say in the past We used to say it brings 70% of the total foreign exchange earnings, but look now. Growers are lobbed Think of the anti-smoking lobby, the World Health Organization, who? Do you think tobacco is still the future? The answer is no. Honestly, if the U.S. has banned its products, it's time to go back to the drawing board and think of other industries
11: but the order against tobacco from Malawi was issued after a law firm in the United Kingdom announced that almost 2000 tobacco tenant farmers including hundreds of children are taking legal action against British American tobacco BAT accusing them of child labor and unjust enrichment BAT is not the lone tobacco production company in Malawi the u.s detainment order against malawi tobacco is the seventh this year malawi authorities have declined to comment on the matter
1: the time is now 17:43 uh, central african time uh right now let's uh, take a very short break and after this we're going to be crossing over to the economics desk where tracy Boomgard is going to be giving us our latest economics news
4: When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile.
5: Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Abu Join me on Channel Africa, Every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa. Rise. Channel Africa. From an African perspective.
1: Now it's time for your economics news. Here's Tracy Boomgaard.
13: Thank you, Samora. The Zimbabwean government has banned the installation of electrical water geysers in the country with immediate effect. This as the country battles with massive electricity shortages that have seen authorities implementing 18 hours of load shedding daily. Energy Minister Fortune Chassi says citizens are, however, free to set up solar geysers, but at their own expense and in compliance with the country's standards. Citizens who go against the regulation are liable to imprisonment for a maximum of one year or payment of a fine not exceeding level 6, which is U.S. dollars The International Monetary Fund has revised Rwanda's economic growth projections to 8.5% from 7.8%. IMF officials say economic activity in the first half of the year beat expectations with gross domestic product growing by 10.3%. The growth in the first half of the year was driven by the service sector due to growth in the tourism and transport sectors. In 2018, the economy grew by 8.6 percent, surpassing the projected 7.2 percent. South Africa's ruling party, the ANC, has expressed concern at the situation unfolding at South African Airways. The party has urged management and workers to find a sustainable solution to their dispute. The National Airline is contemplating retrenching over 900 workers. Staffers are threatening to strike on Friday over pay and the possible retrenchment of workers. ANC spokesperson Pule Mabe.
2: call on all those involved to be able to sit around, uh, attend to the concerns that uh, uh, Labor, the workers here, would have raised and make sure that uh, a solution is found and one that would uh, ensure that uh, uh, the critical services that SAA is expected to provide or is providing on a daily basis uh, could be able to continue unhindered.
13: Meanwhile, aviation company Come says its operations will continue despite the threatened industrial action at SAA Technical. Come, which runs Kulula and British Airways, says contingency plans are in place to mitigate any impact the strike may have on Kame's fleet availability and flight schedule. The South African Cabin Crew Association and NUMSA announced that their members would embark on industrial action, resulting in SAA cancelling all domestic, regional and international flights for the next two days. However, flights operated on SA Express, Mango, SA Airlink, and other partners will not be affected. South Africa's drought situation has forced some affected farmers to take their own lives as their livelihoods are at risk. This is according to the South African Water Warriors organization, which collects donated water from the public and big businesses and distributes it to areas affected by the severe drought. Many parts of the country and parts of Africa have been in the grip of crippling drought conditions for the better part of the last two years. Co-convener of the South African Water Warriors, Isabel Kutsia, says continuous drought conditions leave farmers in a devastating financial situation that affects the farmers' families' livestock as well as food production.
9: You know, every time when I hear a farmer has taken his life because of drought, it feels like a personal loss to me. At the moment, me personally are aware of seven farmers that have taken their own lives in the last four months, five months. And that is, imagine seven farmers that the families are devastated. The families has got nothing. They've got nothing. And those farmers could have fed five million people.
13: The US dollar is trading at 360.16 Nigerian Naira, 10.78 Botswana Pula, at 101.12 Kenyan Shilling, and at 13.91 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, one US dollar will cost you 4.17 Brazilian Hail, 64.26 Russian Ruble, 71.75 Indian Rupee, 7.01 Chinese yuan, and at 14.93 South African Rand. The U.S. dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the British pound and at 90 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,463 and platinum at $873 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is $62.63 a barrel. For Channel African News, I'm Tracy Bumgard.
1: And now it's time for your latest sport. Here's Netwatch Money.
10: Thank you, Samara. A very good afternoon, spot fans. The SA Football Association, SAFA and Confederation of African Football, CAF, are working to try and resolve a TV blackout in South Africa of CAF games so that fans in this country can view tonight's match between Bafana Bafana and Ghana. CAF are reportedly exploring either giving the rights for the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations Afghan qualifier to the SA Broadcaster Corporation SABC, or televising it in South Africa on YouTube. Kofana kick off their 2021 Nations Cup qualification campaign against Ghana at the Cape Coast Stadium tonight at 7 p.m. in Ghana, 9 p.m. Central African time. The coincidence with a blackout announced on Friday by SA panel channel Supersport says they will not televise the CAFE games at present. Bofana's group's match against Sudan on Sunday at Orlando Stadium in Soweto as a home game will be broadcast on SABC. Uganda's men's national football team has arrived back in Kampala from Burkina Faso, where they played to a goalless draw against hosts in the opening match of the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. Uganda will now take on Malawi in their next fixture on Sunday in Kampala at the Mandela National Stadium. Newly appointed Uganda Cranes head coach Jonathan McKinstry hailed his team for picking up a point away and assured the nation of a better result in Sunday's match Passo have one of the best
1: home records in Africa in 10 years, one loss and I think only five draws in 25 games so it shows you how strong they are and obviously a few years ago um, the cranes came here and again in a very tight game, but we're unfortunate to lose one0 so I think to come here, which is probably all the teams in the group would agree is the most difficult away game in the group. Um, To come here and take points is very positive. Obviously, we would have loved to have taken three points, and we came very close with a well-worked corner kick, but ultimately, one point
10: is a good positive start. And now we go back to Kampala and look to build on that. Kenya face Egypt in a 2021 Afghan qualifier at the Borch El Arab Stadium in Alexandria tonight, with kickoff at 7 pm. The team finalized its training on Wednesday evening with a full house. Kenya is yet to register a win after the 2019 Afghan having played to a one-all draw with Uganda Cranes in August and lost to Mozambique by a solitary goal in September. Both friendly matches played in Nairobi under coach. Francis Kimanzi, who replaced Frenchman Sebastian Mine. Egypt, meanwhile, will be without arguably their biggest star, Mohamed Salah, who is nursing a minor ankle injury, and experienced playmaker Abdullah El-Sayed, who was a victim of a war of words between the Pharaohs' coach Hossam El-Badri and Pyramids FC, who refused to refuse to release players to the national team. On to cricket news. Heavy rain and storm warning are threatening the Mzansi Super League MSL clash between the Deben Heat and the Paul Rocks at Kingsmith tomorrow, but home coach Gary Kirsten says they are not allowing the wet weather to dampen their spirits. The Heat are the only side yet to hit a ball one week into the 2019 edition of the competition, which is being broadcast exclusively live on the South African Broadcasting Corporation, SABC, after rain also rained their opening game against the Swans' Spartans last Saturday, Kirsten says they cannot fight the elements. I mean, we've we've had a good 10, 12 days together now as a group, and always when you you come in 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 for, for kind of tournaments like this, you don't get much time to prepare and, and get to know each other and connect. So, I think we've used the time productively as best we can, and. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be nice to get some game time underway, but, you know, we can't, we can't fight that. So we just do as best we can to make good use of the time. And finally, in tennis news... Alexander Zarev denied he was using his cell phone illegally during his ATP finals round-robin defeat to Stefanos Tsitsipas at London's O2 Arena. The defending champion was asked about the incident during the post-match press conference following his 6-3-6-2 defeat on Wednesday. TV footage that circulated on social media appeared to show him touching something in his back at a changeover during the match. Rules state players' Cannot access any electronic devices during matches, but Zverev has insisted he did not have his phone with him on card. Thank you for choosing Channel Africa. Stay tuned for programming news and sport from an African perspective. For Channel Africa Sport, I'm Neto and ETO Chamani.
0: Africa
1: Digest And that wraps up Africa Digest For this hour Be sure to join us Again at 1900 hours Central African time For more news From an African perspective From myself Samora Mangesi Producer at And the rest of the team uh, You can send us Any feedback Which you may have Twitter at Channel Africa 1 Facebook Uh, It's Channel Africa and email info at channelafrica.co.za Channel Africa from an African perspective. And uh, taking us to the top of the hour is not yet Uhuru by Letamburu.
7: Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: Takula ndila nipaprogramu ino ya Zoshitika mu Afrika pa chinyanja service ya Channel Afrika. Tukulu tzila mwuzinda wa Johanspeki ku South Africa. Tukumvega maiko amo Zambiki, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Ndi Zambia. Mutakutipeza pa DSTV pa Channel 802 pantau ya tuku logo masana. Mutakutipeza pa sambalatu la interneti la www.chanoafrika.co.za TNI timfele limozi.
10: Zochitika, Mu Africa.